One of the hallmarks of Western society is the protection of children. And at CD Media, it's high on our list of priorities. We've been holding events around the country to really make people aware of the level of evil that's coming after our children. And it's a multifaceted attack. Last week, we held an event in Miami, and the stars were aligned as to the panel and how they interacted together. We had uh, a father, Raul, from Mexico City talking about children and the trafficking and the cartels and the kind of a 30,000-foot level evil discussion. We had Dr. Paul Merrick, who really got into the fraud in the medical system, Alana Fishbane from No Left Turn in Education, Kevin Jackson, who rocked the audience uh, with the discussions of uh, basically what, how we have to fight this fight. We had Dr. Chris Cassells, Wayne Black, who's a security specialist, and the Pfizer whistleblower, Brooke Jackson. It was an amazing panel, and we need your help to get this out to the world. We have a live stream available. Go to Miami Independent forward slash event, and you will be able to buy the live stream. It's a few bucks because we still have massive costs for this event. But we need to spread the word, and people don't know what they don't know. So please go to Miami Independent forward slash event and get the live stream. Hold an event at your house. It's 25 bucks. Bring your family. Bring your friends. Awaken them to what is happening to our children. I'm going to show a quick clip here. The pharmaceutical companies, the agencies, the federal government, the industries that support them are not interested in curing patients. Their goal is not to cure patients, it's to sell drugs and make money, even if those drugs or money kill patients. And they will do whatever it takes. As Brooke has told you, it's a truly astonishing thing. The level of fraud that you could actually manipulate and make up data to sell a drug that is harmful. Well, welcome back to American Conversations. And this is really a global conversation because today we're honored to have two more of the United um, Airlines plaintiffs joining us on this show. And, and we're calling this the Wings for Liberty and Justice campaign because, uh, well, first of all, Tom and Jim, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Christine. Thanks, Christine. Uh, Tom Anderson and Jimmy B, as I'm going to say, because I'm going to mispronounce it right perspective. <laughs> Um, also have flown for United Airlines and they're, they are um, making ends meet and they've gone through the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of what it's like to stand up and they're joined by, and I get this wrong, I counted 29, but one of your colleagues had said to me, there's 30 plaintiffs, is that right? 30 plaintiffs, correct. 30 plaintiffs. Um, so I guess my math is off, uh, but there's 30 plaintiffs, you're two of them. Uh, I've, inter I've uh, interviewed two before you. And so we're going to go down the list of all 30 of you, you folks. So first of all, let, let's start with you, Tom. Give us your background. Um, beef, you know, you were at, you're at United, were at United. But I mean, give us your background and your story because it's, it, and then Jim, Jimmy will go to you as well before we get into the suit itself. Sure, Christine. Again, thanks for, uh, for letting us share our story here. I was at United for uh, seven years. Um, and uh, I've always had a passion for aviation. I've, uh, I've had a wide range of, of experience. Uh, I started flying at 16, got my license at 17. Uh, I went to a, a university, got my degree in aeronautical science, uh, maintenance courses, flight courses. And uh, I, I flew all over the world doing uh, 
general exploration, airborne data acquisition. Um, that job got me into uh, DOD contracting in 2008, and uh, I did that for 14 tours, uh, six to Iraq, eight to Afghanistan. Uh, they were on average about four, three to four months at a time. So quite extensive work over there. We were doing uh, a lot of different uh, missions. Uh, it was, uh, in my mind, it was my service to the country because I never signed on the dotted line. It was all uh, through the DOD. And uh, I was very proud to do that mission. Um, well, thank you for your service. Even though it was under a DOD contract, you were supporting the troops. Yeah, absolutely. Supporting our country. Absolutely. Um, I worked uh, after that, I worked uh, for a short time for a uh, charter company, uh, flying corporate jets. And then I got hired at United in August of 2015. Um, this is, uh, this is kind of crazy because I never thought um, I would ever be in a lawsuit against the company. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, kind of surreal to be here talking to you about this because um, that was my dream job. I was going to be there for the rest of my career, uh, mm -hmm. right? Uh, like everybody else thought too. Um, and uh, so in August uh, of 2021, the, uh, you know, Scott Kirby, the CEO came down with the mandate that you will get a COVID shot um, by a certain date and, or you'll be separated from the company. And uh, I had a tough choice to make cause I have a family. Um, uh, I have young kids and uh, this, I was the only breadwinner for my household and uh, it was a very tough choice to make, but I made it based on my faith. And uh, that's, uh, you know, what draw, drew me into making a stand now against this uh, um, illegal mandate. It's a totally illegal mandate. I've uh, often said to, to, to many of the people and when we host our town halls, I've often said to people that you can't, you can't do, uh, you can't take a stand unless God leads. And, and I, I firmly, I firmly believe that those who are out in front taking the bricks, as I say, um, a lot of them are people of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's tough. And, and uh, you, and I remember our pre-interview conversation, Tom, you, you, you loved your job. You love aviation. You grew up in it. This was, this, this was the beast you wanted to fly. All yeah. the big planes. Yeah, and you flew exactly. domestically as well as internationally. I did. Yeah, I was on the Boeing seven thirty seven for my entire uh, short career there. Um, I flew internationally, a lot of Central America, South America, but a lot of domestic stuff as well. So this is actually a cry out to the international airports and the people all over the world. Jimmy, let's talk about you. You were a Navy SEAL. Thank you for your service once again. And you're also a man of faith standing up for this. Tell, tell the audience your story. Thanks, Christine. And I wanted to, to echo the yes, God does the, lead the way. And I am a man of faith. And I want to say to Tom, wow, you're for such a young guy, you have quite a resume. So well done, Tom. <laughs> I, I hadn't got to hear that much. But you also reminded me of a, a proverb I read too, Christine. Um, it's out of Proverbs eleven eighteen. It says, the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And that's that's really the goal of our our group. And I think it, I think Tom named our group affectionately uh, or somebody did called Gideon's Army. For those who know the story of Gideon and they were great, 
great numbers. Uh, God trimmed him down to a, a way smaller number so he could show his glory. So I just wanted to, to comment on those things. And yes, yeah, so I, I joined the Navy uh, back in November 1980. And so I was in SEAL team for nine years, got out uh, Halloween 99 or uh, 89 and uh, pursued aviation then. So well, I'll give a little bit of, in case military are listening, maybe some old SEAL team buddies started in uh, underwater demolition team 21, which ch- changed to SEAL team four. And then um, I went to Navy parachute team, did a stint on there, uh, leapfrogs for a couple of years and went to SEAL team five after that and then got out in 89 and pursued flying. So uh, flight instructing, flying freight and got hired by United in 1999. So I was basically with them 22 years. I did have two furloughs in there, almost eight years total. So I've had two furloughs at United, one termination. So it's been quite a ride. Uh, I can uh, I can uh, sympathize with Tom there flying over in the, the Middle East. We flew, uh, I was flying government charters on one of my, one of my furloughs there flying in and out of Baghdad and Afghanistan, things like that. So yeah, so I was uh, I was terminated, went through a couple of hearings, was terminated December 2nd of, of 21. And it's been, we'll probably talk more about this, but it's been quite a roller coaster ride for uh, not only myself, but my wife and I, as far as physical, emotional stress, you know, in our lives. So uh, trying to get a job has been nearly impossible for me. I've gotten turned down uh, no more, no less than a dozen times. And I finally just recently got a flying job. So whatever's going on behind the scenes there, it's it's been it's been challenging in many ways. Well, and and also, you you also applied for a religious exemption too, Jim. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I got applied for that and was denied. How do you guys feel about this? Because you know it's hard for people to go into battlefields, whether you're supporting the troops or you're actually part of the military, and then have a country that's founded on religious freedom basically say to you that they're not accepting your religious exemption application. Tom, how, how did that, how did that strike you? Uh, well, the whole religious exemption process was, was uh, uh, really horrible. Actually. Um, they, uh, you know, United did accept religion as being a valid, you know, excuse to get the shot. Or so the, they said, or well, so they, they said. Yeah. So they said, so, but, they discriminated, completely discriminated against those who wanted to get a religious exemption. And uh, it was almost like an us versus them environment, total hostile work environment. Uh, after, you know, after those who applied were granted religious exemptions or if they were looking for religious exemptions. So Jimmy, just, did, you, did you find that same experience as well? Yes. And uh, just, just uh, quoting Scott Kirby, you know, when he said uh, you ought to be very careful about um, requesting accommodations and those seeking accommodations that they're putting their jobs on the line and don't and be very careful about all of a sudden becoming religious. I thought that was very interesting him. when I did some research on that. And I thought mm-hmm. to myself, th- this is a guy who served in the military. Right. And right. he knows that a lot of the people who fly the planes for not just uh, United come out of the military. 
So when he when I heard that statement, I thought, goodness. So what is this guy's background? Because I didn't know it at the time. And then I found out that he had served in the military. And I thought to myself, hmm. Mm. Hmm. It's, it's all I could say is hmm mm. uh, at the time. What, how, Tom, talk about the toll it's taken on your family as the only breadwinner in your family. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really rough because uh, I went from a really decent income to zero uh, in uh, around, Sept uh, I guess it was November. Uh, so September was the deadline and, and we were all put on unpaid leave uh, on October 2nd. And then uh, there was a, uh, an injunction that, was, that pushed that date out to November 12th. So after November 12th, I was getting no income um i actually had to sell a lot of possession you know my personal possessions to even pay the bills um it, it was rough i would get up every morning and it would be like you know a gut punch every morning just to think of like well how am i going to even you know go buy food or something like that it was it was just rough it was rough and jimmy you've talked about how because it's taken you so long to secure the second job i mean you went through the same financial ups and downs in your family as well. But I mean, your children are older, but still it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a strain on the family any which way you want to shake it. Absolutely, Christine. Um, it's, it's really been a roller coaster ride. I mean, from, as I'm looking at our, our images here on the screen on the computer, it brings back the memory of having the stress of having to prepare with a union lawyer, union reps for a termination hearing with the chief pilot, the assistant chief pilot, uh, human resources representative, not once, but twice, uh, and then terminate it. Uh, so dealing with that and then having to go through an appeal hearing a month and a half after that, it's just the, the emotional and stressful roller coaster ride. My wife having to deal with, deal with me dealing with stress and mm -hmm. it's just been a big deal. And so no income for a year and a half, except for uh, unemployment, which I had to fight for. I got uh, denied my first try for any unemployment. I appealed that and actually won. I had a, actually had a judge uh, who's on our side <laughs> who would stand next to us as we're talking. So I really appreciated that. So that was my income. And uh, I've been door dashing and giving plasma literally for an income. And that's pathetic. Someone that served in Navy SEALs for nine years, served a country, 22 years at United. That's that's pathetic, you know, and I tried. I've tried to get a job for the last year and a half. So let's talk about when you when you guys lost your status at United. What happened to the 501Ks? I mean, what happened to your benefits for the family to fly? Tom, let's start with you. I mean, because that, that that's also part of the package of working for an airline. Yeah, so when I got my religious exemption, it was actually granted, um, and I, I was kind of shocked that it that it it was because the process was so horrible, and uh, I I had to check uh, the the process program every day just to make sure I didn't miss a deadline or anything like that, and uh, I barely made a few of their deadlines. Well, I didn't think I'd get through, but I was it was finally granted. But they said that because you're a pilot, a customer-facing employee, you would be put on un indefinite unpaid leave. 
So what they did was they basically fired you. They said, uh, you're not going to, we're not going to pay you. You're not going to work here anymore. And Oh, by the way, we're going to take all of your benefits uh, during a, in the middle of a pandemic. So and all you, my in pardon me for interrupting, but you couldn't, because you were unpaid leave, you couldn't apply for unemployment. Correct. Yeah. I was, I still had a, a seniority number at the company. So I was still technically employed, but I was essentially fired. How long did that status last? Where you couldn't get unemployment before you could get another, uh, you know, job? Uh, that was up until uh, about March 28th when they offered those who were on exemptions to come back. But the problem was there was such there was still such a hostile work environment that going back would have been just as as bad as as working there before the mandate. Um, and it was it was uh, not something that I could uh, that I could do as far as um, provide for my family because I. I didn't know if the next day I would be kicked out again. It was that mm -hmm. bad. And uh, so in other words, was, they were moving the goalpost all the time. So it left a very a bit of the work environment it was hostile because they would hire you, but you had no idea whether or not you were going to have a job next week. Correct. Yeah. It was just that they were discriminating against those that had not taken the shot. Uh, so, for example, um, I was on one of my last flights. I was in southwest Florida somewhere. And I was heading back up to uh, the New York area and the gate agent came down uh, like they do. They give you your final paperwork. They give the captain the final paperwork. And then uh, we, you know, they, they say that everything's ready. Well, the captain looks up at her and uh, says, yeah, this guy is not going to be flying here anymore in a couple of weeks. And she's like, well, why not? He's like, oh, well, he's not going to take the shot. So he's going to be fired. And she looks down at me. And I'll never forget this. She said, oh, you're one of those people. And she turned around and walked up the jet bridge. And that's, that's oh, cold. That's cold. It was it was brutal. Like, so, and then and then you had to go fly a hundred thirty million dollar jet at six hundred miles an hour with people in the back with that on your mind. It was it was just I couldn't do that anymore. And uh, so I, I actually had to leave and find another job. So let's talk about some of the policies that are now happening. Jimmy, you and I talked about this in the pre-interview about the EKGs as a pilot. There's a certain range you have to be qualified for to fly a plane for the public safety of everybody that you're carrying on that plane. And for any other plane, you may cross your path. Or if something happens, if you land a plane or take off in a plane, which is mo most dangerous, you know, you, something else may happen. Now, what, what have they done to the EKG charts? Because to me, this is really a public safety. This is an international public safety issue uh, in terms of the skies are not safe. And you guys who work and fly know that. So let's start with the EKG standards now. Absolutely, Christine. And I can't give you um, the electronic parameters. I don't fully understand all those, but basically what the FAA did last October was they, and they said it's not coincidental to the, the COVID-19 vax mandate or anything like that. They were quoted saying that, but they basically expanded the parameters for uh, EKG. I'm just going to say like this to widen the parameters for people coming in basically with heart problems. And 
there was a lot of people coming in with heart problems and the, the FAA knows there's a pilot shortage out there. So, Hey, let's expand the parameters. Let's keep the guys flying. I mean, exactly like you said, that is an absolute safety uh, hazard to the flying public, not only America, but internationally. So the FAA, you can, you know, I always encourage people D Y O R do your own research. Don't listen to the three of us, go check it out for yourself. So take these things, go check it out for yourself. You can, you can check it out multiple uh, places online. This is what the FAA has done. This is a, a huge safety hazard uh, for the flying public. And like I said, in our pre uh, pre-interview today, you know, I encourage people when I talk to them, Hey, when you walk on the airplane, why don't you look left? And that's looking into the flight deck. And because most people don't, I, I'll watch them. Yeah. Most people just have faith and trust. Hey, there's a couple of pilots up there. They're going to get me safely to my destination. So I encourage people to, hey, take a look left. And yeah, there's there's two, three, four pilots up there, depending on the aircraft and where it's going. And uh, but now it's wow. I'm aware of this information, the FAA expanding parameters for the EKG, heart problems, vax injuries, vax deaths. I mean, there's so much information out there that it is a safety hazard. And we can we can say, OK, I mean, United Airlines has a fantastic training program. It's you look at pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, highly trained, highly uh, expertise in their fields and things like that. So training's great. The the aircraft are maintained great, all those things. But now we got this, this vaccine problem thrown in the mix. So um, we have to look at that safety aspect. That's, that's huge. Not only that, but when we talk about the, the cardio uh, myocarditis and, and cardio issues, the heart attacks, the sudden deaths, it's not just for, for young athletes that are out there. It's also older, older pilots as well. And I can't help but think that the reason why they changed it, the, the FAA standards for the EKGs is, is because they know of the shortage. But then what we haven't had the FDA acknowledge officially to date, even though we know that they know about the vascular and the neurological injuries, somebody could easily have a stroke. That's right. Well, and and I've I've spoken to pilots that have admitted to me that they may have heart, you know, issues. They can feel it, um, but they don't want to report it because they don't want to lose their jobs. Right. So even if they stretch out these standards so they're acceptable under the numbers, they know that because they took. And I'm not saying this is just for United. This is across the board. I'm talking to pilots international right. that they they know that this this is wrong. I mean, the first time I had. <clears throat> pardon me, that any that a pilot ever mentioned the public safety was August of 2022. I was testifying um, be, before the Australian, before some Australian parliament members, and they had a pilot testify. And he was the first one that said, folks, people need to wake up. This mm. is this is an insidious public safety. It's international because if the pilot goes down and it's a, t it's a takeoff or a landing, there may not be enough time to recover. And then that's 350 people in the back that may go down. And so there's a, there's a conversation that needs to be had about the connection of the dots that you guys know full well. Well, if I could speak to that point a little bit more, as, and it's in our complaint, 
the FAA, uh, there's a rule in the FAA, it's 6153, to hold a, a, uh, a certificate to fly an airliner, you need to hold a class one medical certificate. 6153 mm -hmm. explains all that. But it also states that under a, a, an aircraft uh, or an aviation medical examiner, AME, will should not issue a medical to a pilot for if they're taken in an experimental drug. And these shots are experimental. They're, they're emergency use authorized, right? They're, they're an experimental medical. Well, product. they're even misnamed. They're misnamed too, Tom. They're not even vaccinations. They're gene therapy shots. Sure. And nobody yes, on earth point. can tell us anything about the long-term effects because they've lied. Right. And we know that from the documents that Pfizer wanted to keep under seal for 75 years. Correct. Right. And, and so the, the, so you're not allowed to take a, an experimental medical product that has to be out in in uh, use for at least 12 months, uh, and it has to be approved. Like we we as pilots can't even take Nyquil because of the uh, the, the adverse effects of operating heavy machinery. There's a warning right on it. So uh, so to have the company to have United. Uh, basically tell us to go violate the federal aviation regulations was totally illegal and totally, I mean, totally out of left field. We, we were, I was blown away. Yeah. And, 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 well, it, it, you know, it, it shows the level of arrogance too, that because, you know, who else, I mean, you're expecting the United Airlines attorneys in-house and out-house and, you know, not, not on site counsel know the rules because they have to be aviation attorneys. Yeah. Not right. just contract attorneys, not just union attorneys, but they have to know aviation rules. And Christine, could I read directly what Tom was just saying? So this sure. is straight out of the FAA Aviation Medical Examiner's Handbook, uh, AME, as Tom said, and it's under pharmaceuticals. So anybody, DYOR, do your own research. Anybody can look this up. It says, uh, FDA Food and, Dr Food and Drug Administration approved less than 12 months. The FAA generally requires at least one year of post-marketing experience with a new drug before consideration for aeromedical certification purposes. The observation period allows time for uncommon but aeromedically significant adverse effects to manifest themselves. Uh, contact either your regional flight surgeon to find out more information about, but that's exactly what Tom was saying. And that's straight out of the, the aviation medical examiner's handbook under the FAA. So we've United violated that. Yeah, they did nothing. They did no research. Everything that they were telling us was that it was safe and you were going to keep your fellow employees safe. It was all about safety, but it was not, it was totally the opposite because then we know the shots don't, uh, now you can still transmit the, the disease. You can still get the disease. You can still die from the disease uh, from the, you know, even after taking these shots. So it didn't help anything. And it was, uh, it was all about a hundred percent compliance. Sorry. And then there was that press, <coughs> pardon me, I've got a cold, that press conference. Uh, no, it was during a Biden, Biden's, President Biden said, during one press conference, he, he praised uh, United Airlines for having so many people vaccinated, the high percentage of people that were vaccinated. 
And then at the same time, we now know that United had some contracts for flying some of the U.S. manufactured, quote unquote, shots overseas. And we know that United got the contract for the baby form when the baby formula issue shortage was was ringing about the earth. Um, and we're going to take a deep dive into Mr. Kirby and we're going to take a deeper dive into, you know, all the contracts that United had, because it it seemingly is that they not only received money from the federal government on the Rescue Act, they also had some special contracts that would have endeared them to the U.S. government for the president of the United States to highlight United Airlines as being a good example, except for behind the scenes, the truth is where, you know, everybody is. And now I know that there's 30 plaintiffs to this case, but what I love about this case is that you all have decided to not just sue United, not just sue Mr. Kirby, but to sue all the members of the board. And I don't want you to go outside of your attorney-client privilege here, but I want to congratulate you uh, on this because I think that it's very important that board members of corporations who went along with mandating uh, these shots for their employees be held accountable. Because if not, this will happen again because they're making profit as board members for their stock options or, and possibly having some remuneration as a, as a board member. But can you can you say without breaching any confidentiality how you guys came to that conclusion? Because not everybody's doing that. And I think that's why this, you know, Wings for Liberty and Justice United case actually is going to be a landmark case. Well, Christine, I think that everybody from the, the top down had an opportunity to say no further. They had an opportunity to say this is wrong. This is illegal. And this is going to hurt a lot of people. And, and uh, they didn't do it. They went along with the narrative. They went along with the mandate. And they didn't they didn't say no. And that's why. Jimmy. And also I'd like to add what it looks like um, collusion. I mean, with United Airlines, with the government, uh, United being a state actor in collusion with the Biden administration and uh, Scott Kirby being personal friends with uh, President Biden. And looking at, I, I believe it was about 460 million shares that the government purchased of United stock and, and in return, basically got about seven and a half million dollars or billion dollars uh, in loans and grants during the, the pandemic period. So that's uh, and there's so much information to back that up. There's so much information out there. Evidence. It really it really it's it's a magnificent case. I think there's going to be a huge landmark. Now, how do people help you guys? Because I know that you need help with your legal your legal fund. Where do they find you? so that they can donate and help you guys. Cause this is, this is really a case that's for the safety of the planet. You know, it, I know that there have been cases now and flights where something has happened in the cockpit. Um, but, you know, at some point in time, it, it may happen that there's gonna be some plane with, filled with passengers that's gonna hit the skids. And, you know, we're gonna find out later on that, you know, that captain and co-captain may have been injected. Um, and then, but then, you know, that takes, then you have to prove the causality and things like that. But, but you know, it, this is a warning uh, to the public that they need to start paying attention because flying in the skies is no longer safety. 
Well, Christine, I hope that doesn't happen. I really hope it doesn't happen. Um, but you're right. There's a, there is a, a possibility of that happening in the future. And, and uh, that's a scary, scary thought. Um, sure it, is. Uh, it, sure should is. Be, it should be, it should make the American people aware of what's going on. And, and I, I want to, again, thank you for helping us share this story because this is how we get that story out. Um, yeah, people can find us on Twitter at Wings for Liberty. Uh, we have a Give, Send, Go. If you want to help us monetarily, it's uh, Give, Send, Go forward slash uh, Wings for Liberty. Uh, and we also have a Life Funder, L-I-F-E Funder account. If you'd like to give there, it's uh, Life Funder forward slash uh, Wings. And you can donate there. Now, we also want you to come back to us in case something happens and somebody cancels those accounts. I'm going to put everybody on notice now. If they cancel those accounts and you guys get caught up in that, I mean, immediately pick up the phone and call me. We'll do another interview about that. Jimmy, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation at this point? Because we're going to have you guys back over and over again. This is Dude, perceived. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate you. Um, you. You use the number 350 people. And the last aircraft I flew for United was the 777. And we had a configuration of about 350 people. That's, a, that's basically a small city. And it makes me think of around the neighborhood I live in, you know, busy intersection. Uh, a little child has to, has to get run over by a car and killed for them to put up a stoplight or stop signs or slow down or whatever it is. And we hope and pray that an aircraft crashing isn't what it takes to change this, you know, this, this unsafe vax mandate thing that's going, all these injuries, the expanded parameters with the FAs, EKG, and all those things going down, that's just adding to the, the unsafe environment. We hope and pray that doesn't happen. But we do, uh, we do just, just cover your prayers for us. Uh, first and foremost, please pray for us. And if you do feel led to, to give to Wings for Liberty, uh, those sites that Tom mentioned, we, we really appreciate it. And just one more encouragement that I've tried to encourage people uh, all along for years is there's so many different avenues you can look at for um, news media. And so many people are caught up in just one, one line of mainstream media and that's it. And they believe what it says. But if you go, if you go look, just, just go look. And look at other sources out there and, and make up the or figure out the truth for yourself. Don't just rely on one. I encourage you with that because the truth is out there and the truth will set you free. So just just look outside those things. And, and we know we have I mean, one, one of my strategic plannings and covering this, this story from the very beginning was to get the evidence. And the evidence was the vaccine comparing that to what the evidence is at the FDA, because evidence isn't always what is put on the table. It's what's not put on the table that should be put on the table, like the neurological and the vascular injuries that the agencies, the health agencies in the U.S. know about. So we have that we have a whole series on vaccine injuries. And we also have a, a series on the medical tyranny. And now we have a series of wings for liberty and justice, because we're not only going to be talking to you guys uh, who are involved, the 30 plaintiffs that are involved in the United, but we're going to be talking to pilots and crew members and ground members in the airlines business all over the world, because, you know, people want to be brought together on this. And this is, it's, 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 it, it is, it is a huge issue, huge issue. 
in terms of public safety. So I want to thank you guys on behalf of the public for joining the suit because, you know, it's never fun, you know, following a lawsuit, but I think that what you're doing is absolutely, you know, it has high marks and, and great praise. And, and, and thank you for your courage of doing this. And please come back and join us anytime as this progresses. And when, when they send the goons after you, because they always call them illegal fixers, it's something like out of, you know, George Clooney's character in one of his movies <clears throat> that will happen because we see that with some of the other cases that are out there when they're fighting this monstrosity of fraud all over the place, because there's, there's so many octopus legs to it. So again, thank you guys. And, and again, Tom, tell everybody how they can contribute. Sure. Uh, so uh, we have two uh, websites. One's Give, Send, Go. So Give, Send, Go forward slash uh, Wings for Liberty. And also Life Funder, Life Funder forward slash Wings. And uh, you can donate at both of those places. You can also find all the articles that uh, have been written about our story on uh, our Twitter page at Wings for Liberty. Anything else either one of you want to add before we close this out? I do. I wanted to just echo the the proverb I said in the beginning about he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And I mean, that's what that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to plant seeds of of righteousness and whether you're a believer in God or not, it doesn't matter. It's let's do what's right. You know, we had, we had a, for crew resource management working together on the flight deck at United, there was a saying, it said, uh, it's not what's, what's right. It's I'm sorry. It's not who's right. It's what's right. So, I mean, that applies in every facet of life. It really does. It's not who's right. It's what's right. Let's do the right thing. Let's sow seeds of righteousness. So even if you're not a believer or a follower of Christ or anything like that, you still want to do what's right. And that's what we're trying to do here. So thank you for listening. Doing what's right for the sake of the fact that it's just right. Just right. Amen. That's right. That's right. Tom and Jimmy, thank you very much and come back anytime. And I look forward to interviewing the rest of the plaintiffs and all the other pilots and, you know, airline employees that have been, you know, had run into the same problems you guys have. And I, and I wish you good luck in this case, but please, our door is always open and we're thank proud you, to stand with the wings for liberty and justice. Thanks thank for all you. you're doing, Christine.